I've got 11 quick tips as to uh, what you need to just keep your eye on and have put in place so that you can uh, start the business off on the front foot. How old are you going to be before you start to experience life like you want it? I want to tell you right now, whether you like it or not, there is a better way to do business. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Business for Builders podcast. Uh, welcome to you if you're in YouTube land. My name is Max. I'm the CEO of Smith & Sons. Um, talking to you out of uh, our studio here in British Columbia in Vernon. Hey, look, um, real quick, I'm going to give you a, a quick breakdown. You know, I had a, had a, uh, a contractor just send me a message. You go, hey, I'm looking to start my business. Have you got any tips for me? And uh, he actually sent me the message on uh, Friday evening. And uh, so uh, whilst I was sort of just lounging around home, I uh, quickly flicked him back a few uh, keys that I thought would would maybe help him get started. So if you're a you know if you're a general contractor or even a you know a subcontractor or anything like that, uh, this is probably going to be more geared towards you know when I talk about the type of client or the client avatar. It's definitely all of this information is geared around. Uh, identifying perhaps and connecting with uh, homeowners. Uh, well, that's what we do at Smith & Sons. We work mostly for, for homeowners. Uh, we have a very uh, specific preferred client profile. And so what I'm going to do is, you know, if your business is uh, dealing directly with homeowners in the residential construction sector, then this will be relevant uh, in all parts, I would say. Uh, but if you're outside of that and you're doing something a little different, then these, some of this might resonate with you. Some might be completely irrelevant. I'll leave that up to you. So, I've got 11 quick tips as to uh, what you need to just keep your eye on actually and have put in place so that you can uh, start the business off uh, on, on, the, on, a, on the front foot. And certainly as you develop the business and you go further down, uh, these points will still maintain importance. So it's not like, okay, Max, I'm going to do this to start with and then I'm going to figure out you know another 11 tips to figure out what I'm going to do with the next phase of play. Uh, these these tips are actually something that's going to carry you right through from the early days in your business. And even if you're a veteran, uh, 15, 20 years in the bizzo, this might actually help you as well. Okay, so number one, define your preferred client profile. I just talked about that and there's a reason for that because I can't market uh, everything to everybody. Uh, I can't do everything for everybody. So I've got to come up with where I want to and uh, where I want to sell to and who I want to sell to and what does that client avatar look like. Uh, so for us, usually it's between the ages of, say, 45 and 75, um, and they're obviously homeowners. And what we're specifically going after is renovation projects. Now, the renovation is very customized. Uh, every time we do one, it's different to the last one. Uh, so the other thing that we kind of bring in beside that is custom homes. So uh, homeowners that come and say, I've got a lot, uh, and I want to build this as my final home you know, uh, this is my forever home. And uh, so we believe that the amount of uh, individual or specific type of uh, information that client is looking for and the service that they are looking for uh, is we can cover that, whether it's, so whether it's a renovation, a remodel, uh, or whether it's a custom home. So you need to, and that really, you know, point number one is define your, client, your preferred client profile. Uh, you need to figure out who you're talking to. Um, and it's just, again, so that your messaging on social media or digital, anywhere that you're doing that marketing, it applies to that uh, preferred or that type of client that you want to actually uh, service. The next thing, as I just alluded to, was define your niche. So number two, define your niche. Uh, like I just said, I've got a, you know, a specific sales process that relates to clients or homeowners that want to do renovations. Uh, it also applies to custom homes. So 
We're not about having, you know, 30 or 40 plans hanging on the wall. Pick one. Uh, no, this is very much we will work with our clients, uh, talk to uh, engineers, you know, architects, geotechs, uh, you know, permitting with the local city and things like that. So, uh, you know, we uh, do it. We're a one-stop shop. We're a design and build company. So, you know, you got to define your niche as well. If you're in a commercial, do commercial. Don't this garbage about, well, I, I can do everything. You might be able to do everything, but unfortunately you are going to uh, flounder as it relates to your profitability. You really need to nail down what is your niche and, you know, do a deep dive and perfect that uh, whole process. Okay, um, you need to, uh, number three, uh, you need to confirm your fixed expenses. Now, you might say to me, well, I don't know what they are. And, you know, I think what's important is you've got to come up with a budget. You've got to go, right, this is what, maybe you've got an office, maybe you haven't, you know, this is what my insurance costs are. These are what my average gas costs are. These are what my communication costs, like cell phones and internet, etc. You got to work out what your fixed expenses are because that's going to help you work out your break even. Now, if you don't know where your break-even point is, how do you know if you're, not, if you're charging the right amount of money or not? Um, and so I think too many guys in the beginning do not nail down their fixed expenses. Um, it's quite easy to do if you're a one-man band and you're just starting out. And what you'll find is as your business grows, if you're not careful, your fixed expenses, you'll become top-heavy in the business. And that will pull the best businesses down. So you need to understand, set a budget, and then look at that profit and loss every month and look at ways that where you can maybe trim some costs uh, or look at ways that you can you know increase or improve the performance, um, especially if you've got staff uh, that are helping you run the business. Uh, so that was number three. Number four, set your rates accordingly uh, to ensure that you're charging appropriately. Your knowledge and experience is worth something. So guys, the amount of guys that I talk to and I ask them the question, do you get paid uh, before you go to construction. And, you know, there's all kinds of things where the things that we do prior to construction where we actually get paid. We call that a quantity takeoff service, um, you know, but you've got to really know if you know what your fixed expenses are, you've got a budget set, you're basically going to know what you need to make from each project uh, because, you know, each project differs in its complications. So some of the stuff that we do is very simplistic. Other stuff is very complicated. Some projects are three weeks, other projects are nine months. The demand on your business is different from project to project. So you need to ensure that the price that you've actually created to submit to your uh, client is one that's going to extend to you the right amount of money that your business needs to not only uh, you know, service that, that, that project, but to uh, make sure they're putting some operational profit back in your, your pocket. So uh, you need to set your rates accordingly. There's no point. I talked to a lot of guys and they're, their markups, they have, they don't understand the difference between markup and margin, uh, and they certainly don't set their rates because they've never really put their uh, eyeballs on their profit and loss to figure out what it actually costs them to just open the doors uh, on a weekly basis. Super important. Uh, the next thing that blows me away, number five, is you need to use an appropriate software. Uh, don't care what it is. It just needs to be better than a spreadsheet. Uh, it needs to be more than just I, I write my stuff down. Um you, that's so unnecessary in today's day and age with technology, as much as it can be a raw pain in the ass. Um, there's no way that you can manage multiple projects on the fly. There's no way that you can quote accurately uh, multiple projects at any one time unless you're using some sort of uh, what we call job management software. What's built into our job management software is what we call a graphic takeoff. 
um, tool and it enables us to use essentially one digital plan, whether it's an elevation or a floor plan, to be able to do our uh, you know area costings, our lineal feet costings, anything that we need to take off and work out quantities on. Uh, that's built in, you know, that's that's the use of our software. Obviously, the other uses for software are things like, you know, you're quoting or you're estimating quoting, your proposal presentation. Um, you would, We're talking about uh, all your outgoing invoices, anything to do with change orders, uh, all of that sort of, you know, financial uh, documentation that you need to be able to maintain or ensure that, A, you're, you know, you're getting paid and in some cases you've got to be able to manage the cash flow out of that. And it's super important that you're able to keep your eye on the ball. If you have one or two projects on the go, you can kind of keep your finger on the pulse. The minute you go to five or six projects happening at any one time, that means you're dealing with six clients that all might have a, a stage claim of 10 grand and they're all going to pay you in $2,500 lump sums, which means you've got multiple payments coming from multiple clients. If you don't have some way of uh, being able to keep control of that and understand where you're up to with each client, each and every one of those clients wants to be treated as an individual. Uh, your software is going to help you do that. If you're not running with software, uh, you're going to be tying yourself up in knots and you won't get any sleep. The idea to have these tools is they give you leverage. No longer do we cut plywood with a handsaw. We've got, you know, table saws and we've got skill saws and things like that. It's all about giving us the ability to do more in the same amount of time. Well, job management software will do that. So you need to ensure that you're using an appropriate software, both project management, also financial tools, things like QuickBooks and Xero and, you know, whatever else you uh, or your accountants or, or uh, bookkeepers might recommend. But you need to be having something there that, uh, that that accounting software should sync with your bank accounts. So I can jump in and out of our uh, job management software, look at what's happening with uh, accounts that are being paid, uh, make sure I keep an eye on sort of my outgoings as well. Um, and it's all done on the screen and it's it's very efficient. Uh, and that is a highly recommended part of uh, launching your business. Make sure you give that some consideration. Okay, um, we all talk about marketing. You know, we do a lot of marketing. We spend thousands and thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars a year on our marketing. My advice to you if you're going to go and do marketing, the very first thing you need to consider is using empathy in your marketing message. Uh, enough already with the... I am a quality builder and I deliver good service and a quality product, BS. Like everyone does. That's just, you're just another tree in the forest. Get away from that and uh, think about what your client wants. For instance, we, I talk about this all the time. Our clients, we, as much as we offer construction services, essentially we sell peace of mind, security and satisfaction. We do that because we use fixed price. We give them a list of specifications and inclusions before we start the project and we give them a project duration, how long it's going to take. So, what they're looking at is, oh, I, I understand what it's going to cost me, what I'm going to get, and how long it's going to take to deliver. Peace of mind, security, and satisfaction. Figure out what it is in your marketing message that you're bringing to the customer that's going to separate you and you know from the rest of the forest. You don't want to be just another tree. You've got to stand out. And certainly uh, applying empathy to uh, you know your customer base is what's going to give you the ability to um, you know uh, resonate with them as far as the marketing message is concerned. Okay, the next thing you need to do, point seven, uh, is document your sales process. Now, if, if you just rock up at every meeting and shoot from the hip and kind of wing it and do it differently every time, you're out of your freaking mind. You're never, ever, ever, ever going to, uh, if you're just doing ad hoc sales, uh, it's never going to work for you. That means you haven't thought about what you're doing and it's going to show every time you go to uh, a customer. 
And so, you know, with, with documenting your sales process, we want to go, okay, what, what do we do when the phone first rings? Um, all right, what are we going to do at the first site visit? What do we do post the first site visit? What are we going to offer the clients in the site visit? What do we do uh, in the follow-up phone call to the site visit? What are we doing? And so documenting your sales process is you've got to sit down and think about how is it that I'm going to deliver the preliminary services. I'm not talking about construction. I'm talking about pre-contract. How are you going to uh, almost take those clients off the market? What do you do differently? What we do different is we do design and build. So we don't get a client in, they talk about a renovation, then we just send them off to an architect. No, we have architect, we have relationships with architects, we have relationships with anybody that we need to present, whether it's an architect, a geotech, an engineer. Um, we have, you know, obviously ongoing uh, business dealings with the local cities and the towns that we operate. Uh, and what we do is we want to remove the, the, the friction away from the client. We want to say, look, we are a one-stop shop. Everything happens under one roof. Uh, and so that is really what sets us apart. So that's all part of our, you know, sales process. And that's very much documented. We've got, you know, a, an operations file for all of our franchise general contractors that's, uh, that's over 500 pages long. And it consists, it, it just covers, it covers fairly basic stuff, orientation, induction, safety, uh, social media responsibilities. We talk a lot about sales on day two. We talk about estimating and quoting. And then on day four, we talk about strategic planning and business development. And within those, underneath those four headings is everything uh, that we believe our general contractors need uh, to either understand or, or understand and do uh, to uh, build a successful high-performance business. So further to point number seven, point number eight is systemize every activity within your business. Um, you know, for me in-house here at corporate, we've got financial admins, I've got admin and reception, I've got franchise sales now, I've got our, our media department, and really everything that we do is wash, rinse and repeat. You know, we want to flush out what is the best way to do it that we know right now, and then over time, we, we assess it, and then we uh, go and improve it. We're constantly improving every aspect of our corporate business, and so we and, and also I take feedback from our operators in the field and we look at ways of improving and adjusting uh, and making better and more efficient uh, to really help and support the guys on their journey to develop a high-performance business. That will give them the lifestyle uh, that they actually are looking to achieve. Okay, so systems uh, run businesses, great talent or employees operate great systems. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of the guys in the early stages, we're talking to maybe contractors that have just gotten started, um, you've actually got to become a black belt across the board. I know when I first started out as a builder, um, I really did attribute some of my early success based on the fact that I'd spent uh, all my days as an apprentice working for a builder. So I really got introduced to bricklayers, concreters, plumbers. I often got chucked with those guys to work. I remember going and working for Lenny the Concreter for three months. And I thought, what have I done? I've signed up to be a carpenter. Now all I'm doing is pulling boxing and, and form work and, and pulling concrete and rebar. What's with that? Um, but certainly, you know, that, and then I spent a couple of weeks working with bricklayers and a lot of time uh, learning some of the plumbing side of things, specifically, um, you know, roof flashings and things like that. So there's a lot of exposure. So when I come to be a builder, I knew a lot about a different, a lot of the different trades uh, and it really did help me uh, a lot in my estimate, pre uh, uh, my estimate uh, preparation and, and putting together and then also the proposal. And then, of course, in construction management, that helped me out a lot as well. So, you know, systems, uh, I think within your business, you really want to be uh, putting those together in the early days so that what you can do is you can bring human resource in to maybe do, like if you're a Cypress, if you're a uh, 
self-employed guy working by yourself, <clears throat> what you might want to do is eventually bring in a superintendent. Well, you need to be able to teach that superintendent be able to do it the way he wants you to do it. Um, you know, or you need to be able to have that superintendent do it the way that you want him to do it. Uh, and so there's a lot of systemized uh, around introducing new, new human resource. You want to make sure you don't set them up for failure. Uh, at the end of the day, if it's good, uh, then you've done well. And if it's bad, then you've got some uh, research and development to do to improve those systems. All right, so number nine, that brings me to number nine. You must be a good talent uh, scout. Um, really, there's only so much that you and I can do on the tools in an eight or 10-hour day. Uh, we've, we've got to be able to recruit good talent. You need to be able to hire quickly, fire quickly. Uh, when I hire somebody, I guess. When I fire somebody, I know. Uh, I think that works for me. It may be different for you. Um, but I understand that, um, you know, that, that whole recruiting, hiring, firing thing can be a bit of a challenge. Uh, but I think, you know, actually, you know, there's some pointers around that. We run a recruitment uh, program here for on behalf, for and on behalf of our general contractors. And if they needed a good lead carpenter or they needed carpenter's helper or whatever, we actually put the ads out there for them. And a lot of the guys will try and nickel and dime the trade. Let's say it's a carpenter they're looking for. And they'll, they'll say to me, Max, we want to put this XYZ hourly rate out there. And I would look at the carpenter or the builder, the Smith & Son general contractor, and i say, is that what you would work for? And nine times out of ten, they're like, no. And I'm like, well, why would you then go and expect good talent to come on board with you or at least inquire after this ad um, if – you're not offering the right money. And so, you know, part of the recruitment process is you've got, you've got to make sure that people uh, are seeing your ad and they're recognising value. If they don't, they're just going to keep scrolling and you'll never know. The guys that will call were the guys that you don't want working for you. And so it comes down to not the marketplace, but you as a, uh, a talent scout, um, you're really not keeping those books balanced. You've got to make sure that you're making the offering uh, to the marketplace uh, that is such that you will actually attract the right talent. Um, all right, number nine. Number 10, uh, you need to work on yourself. Leaders lead. Uh, the more you learn, the more you earn. Um, you know, I think there's that uh, leaders are readers. You know, something that I've been challenged with lately is just to read more. I think there's so much that I don't know and I'm like, okay, I've got to educate myself. Um, we all tap out. I did. I tapped out of school uh, in grade 11 because I'm like, I'm done with this. I've got no interest in being here. Um, no sooner than I got into an apprenticeship, I still realised that learning was a massive part of, uh, you know, success in, in life in general. Uh, and really, I didn't have a problem with that because it was the type of learner that I was. I wasn't a classroom learner. Definitely out in the field, hands-on is exactly what I needed to learn. And so I, I did pretty well. So um, you need to understand yourself. Self-awareness is a variable of success. You need to understand whether you're a lead dog or you're, you're not. If you're not a lead dog, get out. Go and find someone that you can support whether that's in a superintendent position. Um, but if you think you got the chops and you're, the, you're, the, you're a pure blood uh, entrepreneur, then get after it and be ready to learn. You will fail more times than you succeed. Uh, I think we've got to be happy with uh, just failing forward. Getting up one more time than we fall over is certainly my advice to you. And number 11, be patient. I think consistency and persistent effort is required. Uh, we, you need to have a resolve uh, deep down in your gut that says, no matter what happens, I'm going to get better. I'm not going to wish it to be easier. I'm just going to learn to uh, discover what it takes to be a better builder. Um, and of course, something that I probably haven't really mentioned here is that, you know, our skills with people, whether you're dealing with your staff, whether you're dealing with subcontractors, whether you're dealing with uh, vendors or whether you're dealing with uh, clients, um, it's your ability to deal with people, which is going to take you the furthest. 
Uh, I think we can all, you know, think that we're good on the tools and all that sort of stuff. And then we, we wonder why we have a hard time building relationships with all of those people and building a successful business system uh, is because our human resource skills need a little bit of a kick in the pants. So, um, but as you move forward, it's all about, you know, do something, double check, look at some of the failures, don't be overly critical, um, but certainly be ready to make changes uh, on the fly because that is going to be uh, a necessity if you want to be successful. Uh, look, there's probably some things I've left out, but that's a really quick 20-minute um, quick twenty minute breakdown of some quick tips if you're looking to get started in a business or if you're 10 or 20 years in and you think, what am, what, what am I doing well, what am I do- not doing well? Um, that's a bit of a, a bit of a menu board as to uh, you know some things you might be able to consider in your uh, journey to build a uh, high performance business. Uh, look, if you uh, like what you hear, be sure to share it and uh, subscribe. And uh, if you've got any questions, you can hit me up on email max at businessforbuilders.ca. Uh, you can give me a uh, call or text on two five zero two four one double eight double six. And uh, we look forward to uh, yeah, we really want to communicate and give value to our our audience, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Go build a kick-ass business. I'll see you then.